Chapter 9 of The Rainbow Trail by Zane Gray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In the Desert Crucible. That hard experience was but the beginning of many cruel trials for John Shefford. He never knew who his assailants were, nor their motive other than robbery, and they had gotten little, for they had not found the large sum of money sewed in the lining of his coat. Joe Lake declared it was Shad's work, and the Mormon showed the stern nature that lay hidden under his mild manner. Neste Bega shook his head and would not tell what he thought, but a somber fire burned in his eyes. The three started with a heavily laden pack train and went down the mountain slope into West Canyon. The second day they were shot at from the rim of the walls. Lake was wounded, hindering the swift flight necessary to escape deeper into the canyon. Here they hid for days while the Mormon recovered and the Indian took stealthy trips to try to locate the enemy. Lack of water and grass for the burrows drove them on. They climbed out of a side canyon, losing several burrows on a rough trail, and had proceeded to within half a day's journey of Red Lake when they were attacked while making camp in a cedar grove. Shefford sustained an exceedingly painful injury to his leg, but fortunately the bullet went through without breaking a bone. With that burning pain, there came to Shefford the meaning of fight, and his rifle grew hot in his hands. Night alone saved the trio from certain fatality. Under the cover of darkness, the Indian helped Shefford to escape. Joe Lake looked out for himself. The pack train was lost, and the Mustangs, except Nakyal. Shefford learned what it meant to lie out at night, listening for pursuit cold to his marrow, sick with dread, and enduring frightful pain from a ragged bullet hole. Next day the Indian led him down into the red basin, where the sun shone hot and the sand reflected the heat. They had no water. A wind arose, and the valley became a place of flying sand. Through a heavy, stifling pall, Naste Vega somehow got Shefford to the trading post at Red Lake. Presby attended to Shefford's injury, and made him comfortable. Next day, Joe Lake limped in, surly and somber, with the news that Shad and eight or ten of his outlaw gang had gotten away with the pack train. In short time, Shefford was able to ride, and with his companions, went over the pass to Cayenta. Withers already knew of his loss, and all he said was that he hoped to meet Shad some day. Shefford showed a reluctance to go again to the hidden village in the silent canyon with the rounded walls. The trader appeared surprised, but did not press the point. Shefford meant sooner or later to tell him, yet never quite reached the point. The early summer brought more work for the little post, and Shefford toiled with the others. He liked the outdoor tasks, and at night was grateful that he was too tired to think. Then followed trips to Durango and Bluff and Monticello, he rode fifty miles a day for many days. He knew how a man fares who packs light and rides far and fast. When the Indian was with him, he got along well. But Naste Bega would not go near the towns. Thus, many mishaps were Shefford's fortune. Many and many a mile he trailed his Mustang, for Nakyaw never forgot the Sagi, and always headed for it when he broke his hobbles. Shefford accompanied an Indian teamster into Durango with a wagon and four wild mustangs. 
Upon the return, with a heavy load of supplies, accident put Shefford in charge of the outfit. In despair, he had to face the hardest task that could have been given him, to take care of a crippled Indian, catch water, feed, harness, and drive four wild mustangs that did not know him, and tried to kill him at every turn, and get that precious load of supplies home to Cayenta. That he accomplished it proved the hint the possibilities of a man, for both endurance and patience. From that time he never gave up in the front of any duty. In the absence of an available Indian, he rode to Durango and back in record time. Upon one occasion he was lost in a canyon for days, with no food and little water. Upon another he went through a sandstorm in the open desert, facing it for forty miles and keeping to the trail. When he rode into Cayenta that night, the trader, in grim praise, said there was no worse to endure. At Monticello, Shefford stood off a band of desperadoes, and this time Shefford experienced a strange, sickening shock in the wounding of a man. Later he had other fights, but in none of them did he know whether or not he had shed blood. The heat of midsummer came, when the blistering sun shone, and a hot blast blew across the sand, and the furious storms made floods in the washes. Day and night Shefford was always in the open, and anyone who had ever known him in the past would have failed to recognize him now. In the early fall with Naste Bega as companion, he set out to the south of Cayenta upon long-neglected business of the trader. They visited Red Lake, Blue Canyon, Keems Canyon, Oribe, the Moki Village, Tuba, Moenkopi, and Moenave. This trip took many weeks and gave Shefford all the opportunity he wanted to study the Indians and the conditions nearer to the border of civilization. He learned the truth about the Indians and the missionaries. Upon the return trip, he rode over the trail he had followed alone to Red Lake and thence on to the Sagi, and it seemed that years had passed since he first entered this wild region which had come to be home, years that had molded him in the stern and fiery crucible of the desert. End of chapter 9